Everybody, great to have all of you with us. Let's raise the curtain on another edition of the highest quality, most informative, most entertaining, most analytical show about college football that you're going to find anywhere. That's us. We're strong as steel as we got you for the next hour uh, right here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Great to have you in touch. I'm Michael Regai. In a second, we'll be joined uh, by the, uh, the top analyst in the biz and the author, of Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine, and so much more that we'll discuss as well. Phil Steele, our producer, is Jim Nabosna, and most importantly, folks, you, you, you are the lifeblood of what we do here as strong as steel. We love your input. We want it all. We're going to go through as many matchups this weekend around uh, the FBS. That's any and all of the 130 that uh, you would like to endeavor in. How do you do that? Real easy. 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. We also are very, very big, as you know, on social media. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, has got you all squared away. We'll hear from Jim a little bit later on in the show. We'll take all your Twitter questions. You do that at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E, 042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim Nabosna. With that, Phil Steele, we're all set up, ready to rock. How you doing this week, my friend? I am doing great, Michael. How about yourself this uh, fine afternoon? Oh, fantastic, fantastic. we got a jam-packed hour. As we said, we go through any and all that you want, so make sure that uh, you get your thoughts in of the 130 and the FBS. Phil, let's get rolling. I, I want to start with uh, a matchup that, you know, I think is going to draw a lot of intrigue, and I can't wait to get your thoughts on it this week. Uh, those Horned Frogs at TCU, all the way up to number eight in the land. They're host of West Virginia this week. West Virginia, three-and-one football team. And you know, Phil, the Horned Frogs have used uh, the late Tom Petty's iconic song, Won't Back Down as their mantra this year. And, of course, we uh, very saddened by the passing of uh, the rock and roll uh, Tom Petty this week. Uh, so, Phil, last week they were off. They followed their large win at Oklahoma State in, in this kind of gauntlet right now. At Oklahoma State, uh, they win that, and now they got West Virginia. They go to Kansas State next week. Really like what their quarterback, uh, Kenny Hill, continues to how he performs. He's sharp. They average 47 points a game. They have, you know, certainly, certainly one they've gotten everybody's attention, as we said. West Virginia won three in a row, but haven't faced any real serious caliber competition since their opener against Virginia Tech. Felt TCU, TCU, they for real, and do they continue to roll this week in the Big 12? Yeah, I do like TCU to uh, continue to go. And I, at the start of the year, I named them one of the, the prime contenders for the Big 12. And not only on my most improved list, but also on my surprise team list, which is Dark Horse National Title Contenders. 
and TCU has not disappointed. Now, you touched on the fact they're a little more battle-tested, having already faced Arkansas State on the road, Oklahoma State on the road. Now they get this one home, and, and Smooth's a pretty good team as well with a high-flying offense, and that was in the sandwich situation. Uh, when you look at West Virginia, their defense giving up 451 yards per game against somewhat of a soft schedule. Uh, you know, including there's Delaware State, Kansas. They're giving their opponents 53 yards above their season average. TCU, which I feel has the best defense in the Big 12, holding opponents to 113 yards below their season average. Uh, West Virginia did drop their one test of the year against Virginia Tech, although I will point out they had a 123-yard edge in that game, but they lost it by seven. Uh, I do think TCU is the stronger team at home, more battle-tested, off a bye, add it all up. I like TCU to win this one by the two touchdowns or more this week. Yeah, I'm with you on that. They play very, very good football, and uh, you know has a, that win over Oklahoma State certainly opened uh, a lot of eyes. All right, that's how we do it. Again, fellow evaluate them all. We'll uh, we'll make sure that you have all of yours. Let's uh, you guys are uh, absolutely on fire today. So let's get rolling. Again, 646-668-2248. Let's uh, go to the strong football city of Pittsburgh, PA. Our man Nine route checking in with some uh, group of five thoughts for us. How you doing, Nine? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks, guys. I uh, really love the show. Um, yeah, I had a question about uh, Louisiana Tech and UAB. Louisiana Tech's offense, you know, it's been great the last couple of years. A little slow out of the gate this year. I've yet to score over 34 against an FBS opponent. But I think UAB may be the remedy. I don't know about the uh, either side, but I'm thinking maybe the over 64 in a total. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Thank you. All right, and, uh, you know, when I'm looking at this game, I have it actually coming in right at about the 64 number. I've got something like 37-27. As you pointed out, Tech got off to a slow start that game against Mississippi State where they uh, got beat by 36 points at home. But they did go on the road and beat Western Kentucky the very next week on a late score, Uh, then gave up that late field goal to lose to South Carolina by one and then beat South Alabama. That game was close heading into the fourth quarter, and then they pulled away in the fourth quarter in that one. But the offense getting it rolling under uh, Jameer Smith at QB. He's got a nice 7-3 ratio for him. And uh, Kraft and Scott, a couple of running backs, have combined for over 600 yards rushing this year. UAB under Bill Clark, they've been crafty. You know, his two seasons have really impressed me. You would think after spending that amount of time away from football, they would struggle, but you go back and look at this season so far. I thought they gave Ball State a good game. In fact, outgained Ball State on the road despite losing by 20. Beat Coastal Carolina at home, and last week nearly beat North Texas, uh, losing on a, a late score to, to come or to come up three points short there. So it's a, a UAB play team with uh, AJ Erdley, the Tennessee transfer, a QB having a six-one ratio. Spencer Brown's running the ball well. Uh, they've been pretty scrappy. So it's uh, I believe the line on this one is probably right around. 10, 11 and a half, and mm-hmm. I've got this one right about this, the, where the line is and where the total is, so I don't really have a big interest in this, but I do see Louisiana Tech coming out of there with the win. Appreciate the call. Yeah, very much appreciate it. I love when we uh, start discussing Group of Five. Uh, still, Phil, just as an overview, San Diego State, your top squad in the Group of Five as uh, we, we enter Week 6. Yeah, it's still right there, San Diego State and South Florida. If the two both end up the season unbeaten, San Diego State gets the call. 
thanks to their wins over Stanford and Air Force. And uh, last week they survived a flat spot. They were off three big games, they had another Mountain West game on deck. They actually got outgained by 166 yards by Northern Illinois. But at one point, I think they had something like a 190 to 36 yard deficit, but were actually tied in the game and then went ahead on the interception return for a touchdown. So last week was their flat spot, though. I expect they'll be better this week. And South Florida just seems to be getting better on a week-by-week basis. Remember, they opened up the first two weeks of the season rather slow. They were down against San Jose State, down against Stony Brook. But now they're just coming out and smacking people on a weekly basis. And uh, that bodes well with Quentin Flowers, a a dark horse Heisman contender this year. Like Quentin Flowers a lot. Very strong offensive football team. All right, strong as steel and full go, just like that, as you guys coming out of the shoot terrific with us. Let's move on again. 646-668-2248. He's Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai. We're ready for all of you. Love your college football knowledge, insights, and ideas. We head to the state of Michigan and Big Ten country. Here's uh, Jack thinking about uh, Ohio State and Maryland this week. Hello, Jack. Hey, man, how are you guys doing? Great, Jack. Hello there, how are you all doing? Go ahead, Real Jack. Real good, Jack. Go right ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hey, it's not so much an Ohio State question. Is that uh, I've been, I mean, a lot of us have been killing it on the overs with uh, Ohio State and Bama and recently Georgia. I'm looking at uh, fat numbers on like five teams, you know, the big shooters, Clemson and Oklahoma, USC, Bama. I was wondering, Phil, what do you think? Who's not going to make it? Who's not going to cover that over finally? I mean, I think I would say, you know, Alabama's going to cover and a couple of those other teams. And I was wondering what your best bet was. You know, I think when you take a look at the the Alabama-Texas A&M game, uh, I think it'll be lower scoring than what you expect. Uh, So let's see what the number is on that. It's 54 right now. Uh, I I think when you look at Texas A&M's defense, uh, so far this year, A&M on defense, uh, getting great pressure on the quarterback. In fact, they have got a total, despite losing Miles Garrett and Hall to the draft, They've got 20 sacks this year. They're along just 3.1 yards per carry. And I don't think a lot of teams are going to get a lot of damage done against this Alabama defense as well. Alabama's defense holding opponents to 179 yards below their season average. It's going to be loud in College Station. They're going to be fired up. So I think A&M's defense will play better than expected here. Uh, of those that you threw out, just generally glancing at it, I would say the Alabama A&M game probably doesn't reach the 54 points. I'm expecting something more in the 40s because you got two pretty good defenses there. Appreciate the call, as always, Jack. Yeah, appreciate that, Jack. Uh, Phil, let's uh, quickly touch on Ohio State and Maryland while we uh, while we uh, have a moment to do that. Uh, again, and I'll go straight to J.T. Barrett now. The past game uh, since Oklahoma against uh, Army UNLV and last week Rutgers has shown improvement. But are we really not going to know about Ohio State offensively being more balanced until October 28th when Penn State rolls into Columbus? You know, this reminds me a lot of 2014 when the offense looked poor in the first two games, then played a bunch of weak opponents, gained confidence, got better as the season went on, and at the end of the year ended up winning a national title. And uh, I think we've seen the offense show the improvement necessary, and I think you'll see the offense do well again here uh, against Maryland. Now, Maryland's defense has been playing well. They're holding opponents to 69 yards below their season average. But I think once Ohio State gets this offense cranking, it'll keep rolling. And then 
with Bortenschlager, you know, there's a lot of hype about the fact that Minnesota had the number one defense statistically. Once again, that was way yep. overblown because Minnesota hadn't played anybody. Yep. Uh, so, and Bortenschlager, while he accounted for touchdowns, and I know everybody goes for touchdowns when they look at players, uh, I sort of go for the overall stats that they had in a game. And Bortenschlager last week did only throw for 154 yards and only ran for 18 yards. So he only had 172 mm-hmm. yards total offense, and that's not going to cut it against Ohio State on the road in Columbus. So I think this is one of those games where uh, you're going to see Maryland's offense struggle like they did against Central Florida with Bortenschlager at QB, and you're going to see Ohio State's offense not have a dominant game. You're not going to see the 50 points that they've been scoring the last couple of weeks, but I think they can get close to that total, put up 45, 44, 47 points. So I like the Buckeyes to uh, to win that one at home probably in the 30s. That's something like uh, I'm going to say something in the area of 47 to uh, 16, something in that area. So I, I do like Ohio State this week. Yeah, Maryland suffering that blow with uh, Terrell Pete Rome there, who was their starting quarterback and now down. So as Phil said, we'll see uh, what Max Bortenschlager has in mind when he faces uh, the stout buck ID in Columbus. All right, strongest steel continuing. Uh, we'll get into the Twitter mailbag coming up in uh, just a few minutes on the show, as we always do. So we want to make sure on social media you guys are covered. 646-668-2248. Let's keep rolling. Let's uh, head out, uh, as uh, we seemingly always do each and every show, to the great state of Oregon. And uh, here's our friend Tyler with some thoughts on uh, those beavers in USC. Tyler, good afternoon. How are you? Or good morning in your case. Uh, It's good morning here, everyone. Uh, Every time this matchup comes around at this particular venue, the year 1960 tends to come up in our local conversations. Mm -hmm. Elvis was topping the music charts. My parents were still in high school, and it's the last time the Beavers won at USC. Both teams come in with disappointment, but for vastly different reasons. It's not really a good sign when someone's saying to you the spread's only 34 points. The Beavers seem to have played a decent first half so far this year, but the second half of just about every game's been total disaster. I'm not expecting you to call for a repeat of 1960 this weekend, Phil, but I'd like to know what you're going to be watching for from both teams in this matchup and which side of that rather humongous line are you leaning towards? All right. Appreciate the call, as always. Appreciate you getting up early out there on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, when I look at this matchup, uh, naturally uh, you expect USC to come out with a little bit of a vengeance. They've had a couple extra days to prepare. But they do have Utah coming up, and uh, what we saw for them so far at home you know, this season they've had the one dominating game that came against Stanford. All their other games, they've been playing below their level. If they get Ronald Jones back and running, uh, they should be potent again on offense. And boy, it's been a rough year if you're an Oregon State fan. Uh, you know, it opened up with that Colorado State game, which was fueled by turnovers. I thought the game, if you watch it, was closer than the 31 points. Then Minnesota comes in and beats them by 34. Washington State smacks them. And as you pointed out last week, it was actually 7 nothing at the half. Then they just ended up wearing down. And I would expect more of a similar scenario here. Uh, now, Oregon State's switching their offense. They're trying to get a little more run game going. As as we saw last week, they ran the ball 28 times, only passed to 22. They need to get Ryan Nall uh, loose. But uh, I've got USC winning this right around the number. I've got them winning this one by about 35. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of value in this game backing USC or taking Oregon State because uh, they've shown they can lose big in games. So it's one of those where I'll watch, learn a little bit about the two teams, but don't have a strong feel. I got USC winning by about 35. Appreciate the call, as always. 
Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Uh, always uh, glad you're with us on Strong is Still. You know, fella pulled out tapes of the last couple of games. I really wanted to kind of break down Sam Darnold uh, a little bit more. You know, Clay Helton's quarterback is starting, expected to be a Heisman Trophy guy, starting to get, you know, catching at least a little bit of heat for his inconsistencies. What do you see when you're looking at Darnold? Do you think that he, he's going to get the ship righted a little bit uh, more here? Is it is it more decision-making, or is it just a guy that's uh, got that big arm and feeling like he can be invincible at times uh, throwing the football where he wants to? Yeah, I think it's the the latter. I think it's a, someone that's very confident in his arm. Uh, we saw seven interceptions the first four games. Uh, last week I made the statement that I think Darnold will have uh, seven interceptions his last eight games. So I think he'll get that correct. He mm-hmm. did throw one interception last week. Uh, he's got one main receiver that he targets in Deontay Burnett. Uh, he draws the majority of the targets that he throws to. He's got to get himself some other receivers involved in there to take a little bit of heat off of that because I think defenses are keying on it. And really, when you look at the windows he's throwing into, there's some pretty tight windows. So a lot of confidence in the arm, throwing into some tight windows. I think he will get that corrected. This should be one of those confidence-boosting weeks for him because Oregon State does have a banged-up secondary, and I think he'll have a good week passing this week. And he's going to need it because they've got some tough tests coming up, like Utah and Notre Dame. Uh, in the recent weeks, but I'm just thinking it's more of a uh, too confident Sam Darnold has, was the reason for the seven interceptions in the four games. Sure, yeah, we'll keep close tabs on him because it's it's one of the more fascinating, uh, I think, issues going on in, in college football right now. Strongest Steel is always fascinating for you. You guys are terrific. You're the lifeblood of what we do. We really appreciate uh, uh, not only your interest, but uh, your input and uh, how you make sure every week you're locked in with us. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Well, there's some. Speaking of interesting, there's all kinds of uh, dynamic storylines going on in the SEC. Let's check in with our guy uh, Jay from uh, the city of Broad Shoulders, Chicago, Illinois, with some of those SEC thoughts. Hello, Jay. How you doing today? Doing great, guys. I want to discuss this uh, SEC matchup. Uh, seems like uh, things have been bouncing uh, forward's way so far this season. You know, LSU is uh, struggling. I think we can all agree that uh, Coach Edo is a football guy. He's one of the greatest interim coaches uh, in college football that we've had. But uh, he's struggling this year so far, and um, I'm putting Coach O in the hot seat, and I like the Gators in this uh, matchup, minus three. All right, appreciate the call, Jay. And uh, you know, one thing we've seen if you if you look at the overall game grade for the two teams for the season, uh, LSU comes up with a stronger game grade. I'm talking about on PhilSteel.com, the Phil Steel Plus, where you can look at the individual game grade as the season goes along. LSU's playing at a level about 90. Florida State at an 87.4, but that includes the first week of the season. If you just look at the last three games. Florida's playing at about 10 points higher level. They've gotten better by the week. You look at them offensively, Malik Davis, a running back, is really starting to emerge. 319 yards rushing, 7.4 yards per carry. Uh, Michael Pirine is solid around the end zone with three touchdowns. Those two combined for five touchdowns rushing last week after the team hadn't had a rushing touchdown in, in ages. And offensively, you look at their uh, receiving core. Now, Tyler Cleveland got injured last week. He's been their top receiver, so they're going to need somebody to merge. But Felipe Franks has everything you want. He's got the size, the arm strength, the mobility, and I think he's going to continue to progress. And this LSU team has not been LSU uh, except for this name on the, the uniform. I mean, they've they've struggled. Darius Geis missed last week, should return this week, but 
their defense is not as dominant as you would think it would be. Offensively, they've struggled at times. The game is in the swamp. I think Florida's playing better right now. The offense is emerging. So I'm in agreement with you, Jay. I like Florida in that one. And uh, surprised they're only laying a field goal, especially when you consider the troubles that LSU's been going through recently. Appreciate the call. Good stuff, Jay. Yeah, boy, Phil, I tell you what, tuned in late last uh, last Saturday and that loss to Troy. There was a lot of puzzled, and uh, Troy's a nice program, but, boy, a lot of puzzled and befuddled looks uh, down on a bayou in, in Tiger Stadium last week. So we'll see if uh, if Ed Orgeron could get that thing turned around. That'll be intriguing for all of us. Everything in college football is intriguing. And I'll tell you what else always has me intrigued. Uh, that is the ability to get the uh, the best seats in the locations you want at the best, most affordable prices around, For whether it's college football, concerts, comedy, theater. My friends at SeatGeek, that's right, SeatGeek will get that done for you. They're just flat-out, bottom line, the smartest, easiest, most effective way to get you the seats you want. Like maybe you want to go see LSU in Florida this weekend, right? Uh, you, you greet that mobile device of yours out, tap it a couple of times and get on that seamless SeatGeek app and you're right there. That's it. A couple of taps. You get the best seats at the best prices and that's what's most important to you. The best prices that you're looking for. Fully guaranteed. See your favorite team, musician, comedian, as I said. SeatGeek will take care of all of it on your SeatGeek app. It'll save you time and money. Every type ticket. Sports, concerts, theater. As I keep letting you know. You've got it. All you need to do is get with SeatGeek. And the best part of your SeatGeek experience, you're a strong as steel listener, and we love that. And we always take care of you because you're that. You're going to get $20 off. That's right, 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E. You get 20 bucks off. Just that simple as you make your purchase. Be front and center at the events you want. Maybe it's LSU Florida this week. Maybe it's Ohio State Maryland. you got a lot of time, right? But get with SeatGeek. Make sure you do it the best way, the only way, with our good friends at SeatGeek. All right, Michael Ragai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna with you. This is Strong as Steel. You see how we do this. Your input is greatly, greatly needed, appreciated, and we love uh, your expertise at college football. And uh, you're looking for that uh, that extra added mile to go for. You come to the right place with Phil Steele, yours truly, and our producer, Jim Nabosna, 646-668-2248. Let's keep rolling. Uh, as we said, it's not just the top 25 we look at or the power five. Let's uh, let's hone in on some group of fives as well. Here's our man John from Chicago with some uh, group of five thoughts on this edition of Strong as Steel. Hello, Johnny. How you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. I uh, had a quick question it. about Rice and Army. Uh, I know you were really high on Rice coming into the season as a team that was looking to improve. Army, on the other hand, has really been underwhelming. I, I think even that win last week against UTEP, I think the game was a little bit closer than the 14 points indicated. Um, really surprised to see Army giving giving 13 and a half on the road. I don't think they should be giving two touchdowns to anybody on the road. Curious your thoughts or if there's something I'm missing here. All right. Appreciate the call, as always, John, and, and good thoughts. And, and like you said, the UTEP game surprised me a little bit because if you look at UTEP, they've looked like one of the worst teams in college football this year, and yet they gave Army a game. Even though Army had a 171-yard edge, it was only 14-14 at the half. And in fact, Utah had the UTEP had the yardage edge at that point. 
Uh, Army struggled against Tulane, as you would expect. Tulane does well against the option every year. Struggled against Ohio State, but did beat Buffalo and looked impressive against Fordham. Now, they have a lot of players from the state of Texas. Army recruits heavily in Texas, and it seems every time they go back to the state, uh, Army usually has a pretty good game. Now, uh, Rice played that same UTEP team and beat them by 17 earlier this year. So the two teams have one mutual opponent. Rice actually looked better against them. But I liked Rice to beat FIU at home a couple weeks back, and they disappointed me. They ended up losing the game by six. They lost Jackson Tyner, or Glassman, I should say, at QB. Jackson Tyner's been playing. Uh, Glassman, I don't think he's going to be able to play here as well. Uh, last week they weren't as, as, you know, they lost by 32 to Pitt, but once again, there were moments there where they were actually covering the game in the fourth quarter. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to probably side with you along with that. I think Rice can give them a game, and uh, it's a lot of points for Army to be laying on the road. So I'm going to lean with the home dog here, but uh, a little cautious after the way Rice's, uh, Rice played against FIU a couple weeks back. Appreciate the call. Hey, Johnny, good stuff. Uh, <laughs> John says he's cautious. You're cautious. Uh, and, of course, we'll, we'll see. And, and, yeah, John is right. You and I were very, as we did our, our uh, preview shows uh, in July and August, we were uh, very high on what Rice could do this year. So uh, we'll see if uh, maybe that starts this week. Strongest Steel is always ready to go for you, 646-668-2248. Let's, uh, let's uh, continue on as uh, we head uh, to the left coast to uh, California and uh, say hi to Tony on the show. Hey, Tony, good morning to you. How are you? Hey, good morning, Michael. Good morning, Phil. I'm really interested in this Pitt-Syracuse game. It's a very intriguing matchup of some power conferences from the 90s. And I would like your thoughts on the game. All right. Appreciate the call. And, you know, Syracuse at home for this one. Uh, so that's uh, – and Pitt struggled against the pass. You look at their pass defense the last two years. Uh, they've given up 332, 540, 453. Uh, there was another 500, another 400. So far this year they gave up 311 to Youngstown State, 572 to Oklahoma State. So they really have struggled uh, to contain the pass. But uh, – there's a couple features that would get you thinking that you might like Pitt in this one. The first is uh, they played a pretty tough schedule. You look at Oklahoma State, you look at Penn State, uh, you look at Georgia Tech on the road. Uh, the two teams that uh, they weren't expected to beat, they ended up taking care of business. So uh, while they've struggled in pass defense here, uh, you look at the fact that Syracuse caught NC State in a flat spot and needed a late touchdown to only lose that one by eight. And the big thing for me with Pitt is that they went back to Max Brown last week against Rice. Now, the start of the year, I was expecting big things out of Max Brown. He struggled, struggled to the point where they brought in Ben DiNucci for the next two games. But last week against Rice, Max Brown hit 28 of 32 for 410 yards, four touchdowns. Finally looked like that PS number one quarterback we thought he'd be at the start of the year. And it's an important game for Pitt here. So, the, you know, the fact that Max Brown's back at quarterback, I think, gives him a shot. The fact they played a pretty tough schedule so far, I think, gives him a shot as well. Uh, to me, this is one of those tougher games to call. Syracuse at home, you would think they would win the game, but uh, I think Pitt's got a shot at the upset, so it'll be a fun one to watch. Appreciate the call, as always, Tony. Yep, Tony, thanks very much. And, uh, you know, Phil, a uh, homecoming for Pitt, and, you know, last two, last couple of weeks, tough road treks into uh into Baton Rouge and to uh, to NC State, so uh, you know maybe I, I'm a little surprised. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, at uh, Syracuse. Yes, 
my apologies, at LSU and at NC State, and uh, now Syracuse uh, with Pittsburgh at home. So, uh, Dino Babers, though, you know, I mean, uh, offensively, have you liked where that uh, the progressions have come this year, or they they kind of flat flatlined a little bit? No, they're averaging 80 yards more than what their opponents normally allow. So they are doing well on offense, putting up 460 uh, yards per game. And so that's uh, good numbers to have. You look at uh, Eric Dungy, he's hitting 63%, got a 7-3 ratio. Unfortunately, he's also the team's leading rusher with 277 yards. You'd like to see a different runner emerge in there. But uh, I said the matchup favors Syracuse, I think, you know, the, the Max Brown situation, I got to think over would probably be your best play in this game uh, because I think both offenses are going to be able to score. All right, we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, strongest steal, we've uh, we've hit halftime here in the show, but a lot, a lot more room, a lot of more ground to cover. Anywhere in the FBS you want to go, you see how we, we do this, uh, all 130 FBS squads. They're there for you to get uh, our uh, evaluations and analysis on. Also on Twitter, and we're uh, we're going to hit the Twitter mailbag right now with our producer, Jim Nabosna, because we, we want it always for you to know. Maybe you don't have access right uh, during the uh, the time of uh, this hour of the show from uh, noon to 1 Eastern, but uh, we want to hear your thoughts on Twitter at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, at Jim Nabosna. Let's bring in our producer, Jim Nabosna. Jimmy, I know the, uh, the Twitter mailbag is, uh, is always brimming full. Give us uh, some samplings. What do we have going on today? We'll start with Danny Zay, 55, who's got a question about the Friday night matchup between UCLA and Memphis. He says outside of their win versus UCLA, I'm sorry, the Memphis-UConn uh, game, outside of their win versus UCLA, Memphis has not been looking too strong this year. Do you see UConn keeping it within two touchdowns Friday night? Yeah, I think they definitely have that opportunity. In fact, I, I like UConn uh, plus the points in this one. As you touched on, Memphis is a banged-up team. You look at them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They went into uh, Central Florida last week uh, very banged up and, and gave up a lot of yards, 603, 350 yards rushing in that game. Barely got past ULM by eight, uh, got past Southern Illinois by 13, and now they're laying two touchdowns on the road. And while Connecticut lost, by 21 points at SMU last week. I do want to remind you that game was 28-28 in the fourth quarter. Also, the previous week, they missed a field goal in the final play of the game or would have gone to overtime against East Carolina. So I think Connecticut's got some potential. I like what I see out of Brandon Sheriffs. He's got an 8-2 ratio, hitting 69% of his passes. The offense has got going a little bit. This figures to be a high-scoring game. you got a banged-up Memphis defense, which is allowing uh, – 55 yards per game above their season average. And Connecticut, which had been a completely different team the last couple of years. They've been a run the ball, take the time off the clock, and that's helped their defense be one of the better teams statistically defensively. Well, you would figure the defense would struggle this year with the more wide-open offense, and it has. They're giving opponents 155 yards per game above their season average. So if you like points, check this one out. should be a high-scoring game. But I like the home underdog in that one with Connecticut. So appreciate the tweet. Out to Paul Pasquale, who says, how can the SMU Ponies be a seven-point dog versus the Houston Cougs? What are your thoughts? Well, I think Houston's a very good team. I mean, they went into Arizona State and came out of there with a uh, – or, excuse me, Arizona earlier this year. Came out of there with a three-point win. Their one loss this year was to Texas Tech. 
And Texas Tech's playing good ball under Cliff Kingsbury. This is a much better Texas Tech team. They gave Oklahoma State a test to the limit last week. Oklahoma State needed a late score to pull out a win, and that's uh, it's Houston's only loss of the year. Uh, they struggled a little bit against Temple. I thought it was a bit of a flat spot for them. Only won the game by seven. But uh, defensively, Ed Oliver's questionable. That could be a major factor because I think Ed Oliver's one of the major players in college football. He went out in the second quarter last week against Temple. But they've got uh, Kyle Allen got benched last week for Postma, but Allen's still available in seventy over 70% of his passes. Smooth's got the offense. Houston's got the defense. Uh, so I, I think it's one of those games where I personally would favor Houston by about a touchdown in the game, and that's about where Vegas has them. Uh, two go-with teams in my mind. Appreciate the tweet. Miguel Adamchek would like to know, how does Arizona match up against Colorado? Do you see them moving the ball on Colorado's defense? You know, the surprising stat to me here is that my computer is actually calling for Arizona to uh, win the game. So that's that's surprising to me. They did go on the or hosted Utah in their last game and actually had the yardage edge by 107 yards in that one. Uh, it's a, a better Arizona team. Remember at one point last year they were down to wide receivers at running back. They were down to their third or fourth string quarterback. Brandon Dawkins has been doing a solid job this year. He's run for 341 yards. He's got a 5-3 ratio. Uh, and defensively, they're playing better this year. They're holding opponents to 69 yards below their season average. But to me, this is one of those circle the wagons games for Colorado. I mean, they've got two Pac-12 losses, although it's been two Washington at home and a tight one to UCLA on the road. So I'm not. I expected them to lose both games, and they actually played well in both games. Uh, their secondary is their question mark. I don't know if Arizona's going to be able to attack that. Arizona likes to run the football. Colorado's got a pretty good defensive front seven. And on the flip side of the coin, Colorado attacks you with Montez, uh, who's hitting 65% this year. And then they've got Philip Lindsay in the backfield to hand the ball off to. So I think Colorado at home should be able to get this win. But And I'm surprised my computer's actually thinking Arizona's got a real good chance here. Appreciate the tweet. We got one coming in from Tommy who wants to know Louisiana Lafayette's run game looks strong with Idaho's run defense showing a lot of red on Phil Steele plus. Could that be enough to put the Vandals on upset alert this week? Nice call, Tommy. I would happen to agree with you there. And, uh, you know, you look at uh, Louisiana, Jordan Davis doing a good job directing their offense. They're averaging 203 yards per game, 5.3. And as Tommy touched on, Bill Steele Plus shows you the red area. Idaho giving up 4.7 yards per carry. I remember their last game in the Kibbe Dome. Uh, they were playing UNLV, and I had that as my high-scoring game of the week on Inside the Press Box. I knew UNLV was going to score, and I was expecting Idaho to put some points up, and they couldn't do it. I mean, it was 44-16 to 16 was the final. Idaho blew some opportunities, but uh, I think ULL could control the clock, go on the road, and pull off the upset there. So I, I agree with you 100%. By the way, speaking of Phil Steele Plus, Last week was the first Phil Steele Plus game of the week that we put up on Friday. I'll be doing that again on Friday this week. It was Arizona State plus the points over Stanford. Last week I pointed out Stanford's defense is not quite as you would think a Stanford defense is. And as it turns out, Arizona State never trailed in that game against the spread, uh, only losing by 10. So uh, I will have that Phil Steele Plus game of the week up for you on Friday. Should be by 12 o'clock noon on Friday for the Phil Steele Plus game of the week this week. Thanks as always, Tommy. Yeah, very good stuff from Tommy, uh, getting those uh, those color-coded opportunities on Phil Steele Plus. We love the fact that all of you are uh, honed in the way you are 
and have such great knowledge about uh, the group of five. Because honestly, Phil and I pride ourselves uh, on that, and uh, we we never ever look the other way, as a lot of uh, analysts uh, will do in the business when you uh, try to talk a uh, group of five matchups and. Uh, and who's who's got uh, power opportunities in the group of five. So we appreciate that. And speaking of which, it's 646-668-2248, and all the tweets, fantastic. Keep them coming. Let's go to uh, the great state of New Jersey with group of five thoughts. This one about uh, the Mid-American Conference, uh, a, a good one in the MAC this week. And here's our man, Moody. Moody, what's going on? Welcome to Strongest Steel. Hey, what's going on, guys? Man, I want to check in on this on this Western Michigan Buffalo game. I know, I know, my boy Mike, you are expert on the Mac, and um, it's an intriguing matchup this week. I think um, Western Michigan didn't drop off much. I don't get to see Buffalo much, uh, but I I kind of favor Western Michigan just off history and the the games that I watched. They don't seem like they dropped off much from last year. I just want you guys thoughts. All right, appreciate the call, okay, and so uh, I'll I, get Michael started. Yeah, we do. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, so I was just going to say, I had Buffalo last week, and uh, Lance Leipold's squad has got this thing uh, really turned uh, on an uptick now. And, and, Phil, the amazing thing about it is he lost his very talented uh, sophomore quarterback uh, last week due to injury, Tyree Jackson, but uh, Drew Anderson, the JCQB, has come in the last couple weeks, and Buffalo's won three in a row. Now, they are getting a, a tremendous, tremendous burst from Emmanuel Reed. He's like a little bowling ball, Phil. He's a five foot six, 195-pound running back. and Well, he did a tap dance on the Kent State defense last week. And speaking of defenses, Buffalo's is very, very stout. They're doing an outstanding job. Khalil Hodge, and we know the name Khalil, Phil, uh, at the university at Buffalo has significance, right? As in Khalil Mack from a couple years ago. Khalil Hodge, 240-pound Mike Linebacker. He is uh, being very closely looked at in the same vein. Right now, I had a couple of NFL scouts there tell me, thinking third-round guy, maybe even a second-round guy. So, Phil, this is a very, very uh, on-the-come Buffalo football team, and yet you know, you go through Western Michigan because uh, as you evaluate this one, Tim Lester's team seems like they're starting to peak as well right now, correct? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I was talking to uh, Rod Carey, the coach of Northern Illinois, and and we were talking about uh, underrated, overrated teams, and he goes, you want to know an underrated team this year? I'm like, I'm all ears, coach. He goes, Western Michigan. Watch out for these guys. They're not going to be that big of a drop-off. And You know, we saw them in the opener against USC played a really good game. They trailed by four points with four minutes to go. They gave everything they had. The next week they had nothing left in the tank. Western Michigan or Michigan State pretty much steamrolled them in that game, but then they beat Idaho at home, uh, beat Wagner, and last week just crushed Ball State. I, I did not expect them to win about 52 points against Ball State like they did. So it is a Western team that's got the running backs. I mean, they've got Bogan. They've got Franklin, and now Levante Bellamy has emerged. He's got over 200 yards this year. Wesneck at the QB spot is having a decent year. Not the type of year that you had from last year, and not the type of year we'd expected had Flacco won the job, but he opted to transfer. So I think Western's a dangerous team. Buffalo has impressed me each and every week, and I think they've impressed Vegas each and every week because they've done better than expected. The Minnesota game in the opener, they played well. The Army game on the road, they played well. 
I thought FAU was going to beat them as in an upset, but they ended up winning that game by th- or tying it, you know, against the spread with a three-point win and then beating Kent last week. Although they were outgained by 67 yards by Kent, seemed like Kent had to settle for a bunch of field goals last week. So I do yes. think you have two teams yep. that have been playing. Yeah, we got two teams that are playing extremely well uh, at this point in the season. Uh, I'm going to have to lean with the uh, the Western Michigan to be able to go on the road get the win. Let me take a look and see what the number is. What's your thought on that, Michael? No, I'm with you. I, I, I'm going to uh, go with that. And, and again, though, I mean, you know, the, the Lance Leipold squad has caught a spark. There's no question about that. They're running the football very, very well. But, um, yeah, I'm with you, Phil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean with, with Western Michigan in a probably a close football game, probably in the, uh, I'm going to say the upper They're a seven-point favorite. Somewhere. They're a seven-point fa- favorite. Now, that's, that's a little steep, Phil. <laughs> you know, the way uh, the Buffalo I saw last week might be a little bit steep there. But I like Western Michigan uh, in the, I'm going to say something like 27-23. Now, you think Jackson can play this week? Uh, improbable, Phil. Probably uh, you're looking at Drew Anderson again. And again, this this young man has done a terrific job. He's you know he's six foot five. So uh, Lance Leipold likes his big quarterbacks. Tyree Jackson's Jackson six foot seven, two hundred forty pounds. Drew Anderson six five at about two thirty five. So they're both guys that uh, like to you know throw the football from the pocket. Anderson showed a little bit more ability than we thought he had, but no, it's 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 going to be Drew Anderson again this week. They're probably at least another week, if not two, away from uh, getting Tyree Jackson back, the Buffalo quarterback. Okay. So slight, yeah, slight lean for me to Western Michigan on the road, although. Again, I uh, Buffalo squad, very impressive in winning three in a row. We appreciate it, Moody. Good stuff from you, uh, as always, uh, from uh, New Jersey on Buffalo and Western Michigan. Strong as steel, continuing to roll at 646-668-2248. Phil, let's, uh, let's get into the, uh, the battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Number seven ranked Michigan Wolverines off the bye. They got Michigan State coming in. That was an impressive win for Michigan State last week against the Iowa Hawkeyes, no doubt about it. 17-10, kind of a throwback that you would expect from Mark D'Antonio and Kirk Ferentz. Michigan State uh, got out to the early lead and uh, held on to win it at home. Michigan's turning to John O'Corn in the wake of Wilton Spates' head and neck injury he suffered at Purdue. Phil, as we know, Corn was sharp, uh, threw for 270 yards and a touchdown in three quarters two weeks ago to lead the Wolverines to that 18-point win. Brian Lewerke, Michigan State's quarterback, he's engineered a solid O in, uh, as he said, the 17-10 to 10 week. Now, now, Sparty didn't run it that well. Uh, really, the running back's no factor at all. Lewerke, though, is running the ball decently as a dual-threat guy, but now they face this Michigan defense, Phil, ranked, I got them at number one in the country under Don Brown in four different categories in the FBS. To me, that's the big thing this week. want to see how you evaluate it. Will Michigan State be able to move the football consistently and put points on the board against Don Brown's D? Uh, No, they're not going to be able to have a lot of points or yards in this particular game. But I don't think Michigan is either. You know, you look at Michigan and uh, what they've done offensively, they struggled, especially in the red zone. And, you know, while Michigan's defense is holding opponents to 210 yards below their season average, which is very impressive, 
Michigan State comes in holding their opponents to 163 yards below their season average. Also very impressive. Now, I think the situation favors Michigan, fresh off a bye. Meanwhile, Michigan State just played Notre Dame, and then they play Iowa in back-to-back weeks. Now they've got to go on the road and travel. But this is a series. It's a rivalry game where the underdog's done well. Michigan State's done well in the series. And uh, their defense is playing well. So they've covered nine. Excuse me, Michigan State's actually covered nine in a row in the series. Won seven of them outright. I think this can be one of those lower-scoring games. I think with the situation the way it is, I like Michigan to win it probably by about seven at home, something like 20 to 13. I do think it's going to be a, a typical uh, defensive struggle in this one. And uh, Michigan's actually a double-digit favorite in this game, so I would lean with the underdog mm-hmm. uh, plus the points in a lower-scoring game here. How about yourself? Yep. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, lower scoring, to be sure. As a matter of fact, you know, I, if this one, uh, winner in the teens, again, look at what Michigan State played last week, Phil. 17-10, right, against Iowa. That win, they did they, get out to the early 17-3 lead, but didn't put any points on the board in the second half. They played excellent defense uh, against Iowa. They held Iowa's running game very much in check. So I mean, you know, I, listen. If this one wound up uh, wound up seventeen to nine, seventeen to twelve, somewhere in there, wouldn't surprise me in the least. But uh, you know, the Paul Bunyan Trophy uh, always one that uh, that is uh, highly coveted when Michigan and Michigan State get together. So uh, look for a low scoring game uh, in uh, in Ann Arbor in the Big House uh, this week. Strongest Steel continues to roll on, 646-668-2248. I know I'm going to make sure I'm not going to miss a minute after uh, I call uh, my Mid-American Conference game this week. I'm going to make sure I'm uh, right on time with uh, the kickoff for Michigan and Michigan State. And that leads me into letting you know about uh, a, a just an outstanding sponsor that we have that are going to provide you with great-looking watches like the one I'm wearing right now. And uh, that one is from uh, Movement Watches. That's MVMT, Movement Watches. They look like a million bucks. They cost way less. I'm wearing the sleek and stylish Denali. Phil Steele has his as well. And we're inviting you to check out the classic design of Movement Watches right now. Here's the best part of it. So they look like a million bucks. It starts as low as just $95. It's the watchmaker's ultimate goal is to change the way you, the consumer, thinks about style and fashion in that watch you wear by offering quality watches at revolutionary prices. One million movement watches have been sold. So here's what I'm inviting you to do. We're asking you to check it out, try it out, and here's the best part. You're a strong as steel listener. We're inviting you to receive 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com. That's MVMT.com slash steel. Check out the amazing selection. I guarantee you, you're going to be the envy of watch-wearing friends. They'll marvel at your movement watch, clean design, beautiful style. Don't wait. I get asked all the time. Right guy, what's that watch you're wearing? I said, I got the Denali. I got uh, the all black. It's, it's sleek, it's stylish, and at the best price possible for you. So, again, check it out. That's movement, M-V-M-T, M-V-M-T.com, slash steel. We'll get you 15% off today. 
Make sure you get in with those that are want to be stylish with their watchwear at Movement Watches. Hey, All Michael, right, I want to point out I'm one Michael. thing on that. Yes, sir. Yeah. And that is, uh, I love the way the watches look. You love the way the watches look. And then uh, my right. daughter came in from a school this summer, and she's looking at the watch. She goes, where'd you get the Movement Watch? I'm like, seriously? You, you know this brand? She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the hot brand around school. Everybody wants a movement watch. So uh, I had to go and get myself. I used that 15% discount and went my, got my uh, movement watch for my daughter. So that's uh, it's a nice looking watch, not only for guys like us, but uh, all the kids yeah. today love it as well. That's fantastic. So we go on the perfect. We go on the college campuses when you're uh, checking out your favorite FBS football team and make sure you have your movement watch. Again, they're, they're, they're extremely stylish. And uh, so Phil's daughter, Sierra, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> she's a college student. Again, MVMT, MVMT.com slash deal, 15% off. You will not be disappointed. All right, we continue on here on Strongest Steel, 646-668-2248. He's Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai. This is what we do for 60 minutes uh, from uh, noon to 1 o'clock Eastern time. But, you know, we've been to California already today. We've been down to Georgia today. We have been to the state of Oregon today, East Coast as well, all over that's how we do it on Strongest Steel. So let's keep that theme rolling. Let's uh, check in in the great state of Utah. And uh, here's Mike with some thoughts. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Tremendous. Tremendous. Great to have you along. Great to be on. Just got a question for you. So <clears throat> I don't need to hear anything about the Utah-Stanford game because I'll be listening to Phil with talking Bill Riley later today, but my question for you guys has in reference to the Washington State-Oregon game. So yesterday, the spread was Oregon favored by two and a half, and I just thought that was a gimme considering Oregon's quarterback broke his – their starter broke his collarbone last game. Now the Lions jumped up to Washington State favored by two and a half in just a day. I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. I'm a betting man. I'm about to put money on that game. I still like Washington State, but you could just break that down for me and maybe explain why that point shifts so much in just a day. Okay, appreciate it, and uh, I definitely appreciate the call. And generally, you know, what happens with, especially like an opening line, let's say on a Sunday, a lot of times in the paper you'll see opening line and current line, and the people will be like, oh, my goodness, that line moves seven points. But those early numbers are very soft. And I think they were just sort of – the number was circled, which means you couldn't put a lot of action on it. And they were just sort of putting out a feeler there at Oregon minus 2.5. And, and naturally, the general public is going to take a look at that and they're going to say, oh, you got to go against Oregon because they're without their quarterback and they're probably without their backup quarterback, Taylor Alley, for this one. Uh, he may return to practice, but it's probably going to be – the true freshman Braxton Burmeister at the uh, the QB spot. So I think the entire world is going to be just automatically plunking down on Washington State, and that's why they quickly moved the line to Washington State favorite in the game. And I think the game will go higher as the week goes on. I actually like Oregon in this one. Uh, when you take a look at Braxton Burmeister, he's a Willie Taggart recruit. When I talked to uh, Coach Taggart this spring going over the team, you know, naturally he wanted a redshirt Burmeister, but felt he might be the best fit for the offense. He's a gym rat, so you know he's in there studying the film every single week, whether he's playing or not. He's got all the athletic tools you need for this particular offense. Royce Freeman got injured last week. He is probable for this one. 
So with Royce Freeman back, with Burmeister, and the fact it's at home. They're not going into a hostile setting and throwing them to the wolves for this one. They're at home in Autzen Stadium. That's a great crowd there. I think Oregon's got a, a very solid team. Last week, they lost Herbert early in the game. They lost Freeman early in the game. They lost numerous defensive players early in the game. They still beat California by 21. They're catching Washington State off that big win and probably in a little bit of a letdown situation saying, well, Oregon doesn't have their quarterback, and I've seen that many times in college football. So I actually like the Ducks as a home dog in that one, and uh, I'd be careful of overreacting to the quarterback injury because Braxton Burmeister is a pretty good QB. Appreciate the call. That's interesting insight, Phil Steele. You know, Luke Falk was one of the quarterbacks that uh, that I put out there in, in August as we were doing uh, our previews, and I know you did too, as one of the maybe unheralded QBs, not one of the big-name guys, but uh, wow, has he been terrific. Knocked USC out of the ranks of the unbeaten. I think he's been electrifying, really, from Mike Leach. So 75% completion percentage, 16 to 2 Right, uh, TD interception ratio. I know you know, Phil, notice too. He's got three receivers already with over 30 receptions in five games, led by Tavares Martin with seven TDs. Phil, it's, it's, uh, it's Sarsaparilla root beer soda time, my man. I'm going a, I'm to a ride with Luke Falk and Mike Leach and uh, that band from Washington State. I, I know they're coming off the USC win. It might be a little but. I don't know. I think Leach has got him. Uh, he's going to keep him rolling for a few more weeks. So we'll see. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but do keep an eye on Luke Falk. I, you know, he's he's flying under the radar of Sam Darnold and uh, Josh Rosen and Josh Allen and, and the like. But, man, Falk, can, uh, he can spin the football. 666, or excuse me, 646-668-2248. Uh, that's how we do it here on Strong as Steel. Uh, let's uh, check in in uh, Chicago and uh, talk a little bit more about Group of Five as we're going to go down go down south. And uh, I think Patrick wants to discuss Arkansas State and Georgia Southern. Hey, Pat, how are you today? Good, Phil. This one uh, goes down to Paulson Stadium in the great state of Georgia. Uh, this as you don't, or as you know for sure, Arkansas State takes on Georgia Southern. A uh, similar spread to last year, where Georgia State was uh, pretty more than a touchdown underdog, and they covered the number last year. I know Hanson has a 10 to two touchdown to interception ratio, but uh, you know Georgia Southern played Troy tough. Troy just beat LSU. By the rule of alliteration, I would say that Georgia Southern could probably take down LSU. So I'm going to roll with uh, the Georgia Southern Eagles. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, that's, that's interesting. I, I, you know, Georgia Southern opened up the year, and uh, uh, they lost to Auburn. Now, that's not a bad loss because Auburn's got a heck of a team, but then they did lose to New Hampshire. While that was technically a home game, that's one of those games that got moved, so they didn't really have the home crowd for that. Uh, and then they played Indiana and ended up losing that one by 35. So they've been struggling all year. Uh, it's a rebuilt team. It's an inexperienced team this year, whereas uh, Arkansas State is a much more veteran team this year. Uh, you're looking at, like, Warren Wand, a running back. The defensive front seven looks good. And last year, you know, it's interesting. Arkansas State lost all of their offensive linemen this year. 
so you're thinking that the offensive line is going to struggle. But when I talked to Coach Anderson in the spring, he actually felt they'd have an improved run game this year. He said that they were bigger, stronger up front, and that last year's line was undersized, had players playing out of position. So despite the fact they lost all five starters, felt the run game would be improved. Well, last year they averaged 3.5 yards per carry. This year they're averaging 4.2 yards per carry. So he clearly knew what he was talking about. So I think with the bigger, stronger offensive line, uh, I think Arkansas State can uh, get this one even on the road. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Arkansas State in that one. Appreciate the call. Yeah, thanks a lot, Patrick. Good stuff. Really like that, uh, the Arkansas State program and uh, perennial bowl squad. And uh, we'll see if they keep that rolling uh, this year. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. A few minutes left for you, the Twitter mailbag. It's always sizzling, always hot. Uh, enter Jim Nabosna. Jimmy, couple more for us as we uh, we close things down on Strongest Steel. At SEC Bias says Missouri has been blown out in three straight games versus Power 5 opponents. Is there any reason to believe Kentucky won't beat them by more than 10? You know, that that was my first reaction is I want to play against Missouri each week because Missouri is such a fake team. I mean, they, as an example, they scored 72 points against Missouri State. Uh, since then, they've scored a grand total of 12 points per game. Yet on the season, you look and say, oh, they're averaging 26 points per game. And that's the same thing they did last year. My word of caution to you here, though, is let's look at Kentucky, how they have done as a favorite. Now, their main thing is to pick up victories, evidently, this year. They only beat Southern Miss by seven, so they didn't win by enough in that. In fact, got outgained. They only beat Eastern Kentucky uh, by 11, and then last week they only beat Eastern Michigan by four, and once again got out gained by 84 yards. So Eastern Michigan, Eastern Kentucky, Southern Miss, they're all in that Missouri category. Missouri's losses were to some pretty good teams. So that would be my word of caution. I lean with Kentucky in this one because uh, they're at home, and I, I think they're they're playing with a lot more confidence than Missouri is. But be careful because Kentucky has not done well as a big favorite this year. Appreciate the call. At A. Dillon402 says, with the Huskers' home night winning streak intact, do you like their chances to cover and maybe even upset Wisconsin Saturday night? You know, I do think they have a shot at it, and the bulk of it is due to the defense. Now, granted, they've played Illinois, Rutgers, uh, Northern Illinois, and a disinterested Oregon the last 14 quarters. But at the start of the year, first six quarters, they were on pace to allow about 56 points per game and since then, since they caught on to Diaco's 3-4 scheme, they're allowing 7.8 points per game over the last 14 quarters. So that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. And, you know, last week Wisconsin only had 303 yards on the road against Northwestern, so, or at home against Northwestern. Now they're on the road against Nebraska. It's going to be fired up. It's at night. So you know the Huskers are going to be uh, motivated for this. I do like Nebraska to keep this one closer than expected. And I think it'll be a lower-scoring game because Wisconsin's got an outstanding defense. My biggest concern with news in Nebraska in this one would be our boy Tanner Lee against a secondary that gets a lot of pick sixes, and that's, <laughs> that would spell trouble. So as long as Tanner Lee doesn't throw to pick six, I think Nebraska takes this one right to the wire. Appreciate the tweet. Yeah, you can hear Mike Riley saying, Tanner, value the football this week. Uh, should be captivating, though. <laughs> Yeah. Phil, before we get out of here real quick, uh, Georgia Bulldogs, a lot of conversation about them this week. They just 
overpowered Tennessee, 41 nothing in Knoxville. Now they are a legit top five. Hey, though, how about the decision Kirby Smart's got to make, Phil? Whether to reinsert quarterback Jacob Eason, his starter injured in the opener, or ride with that outstanding PS number five from uh, last year's senior high school class, true freshman Jake Fromm, who's been superb. They got Vandy this week, Phil. Uh, listen, uh, which way could be smart going to go? Is he just going to start playing them both? Eason's getting close to being ready. Uh, I would just stick with Fromm. Uh, they're playing good. Last year, Eason had his struggles throwing a football down the field. Spring game, the two teams are pretty close, and the team has really responded to Fromm being in there. In fact, the last two weeks, uh, they put up some big yards and points. So I would just stick with Fromm until something happened because I uh, wasn't overly impressed with Eason, even though he's a big PS number. Uh, I think that Fromm's doing a better job moving the offense. Uh-huh. Interesting. Stay with the freshman. And uh, Georgia rolls this week uh, at Vandy? Yeah, definitely. And Vandy is uh, one okay. of those teams that was up there after that upset of Kansas State. They were the flavor of the month. And their outstanding defense, which was number one in the country statistically, mm. just like Minnesota wow. after not playing anybody, has just got steamrolled the last two weeks. Now I think Georgia's going to continue that trend. Only problem, it is coming off two big games, but I, I like Georgia to win that one big on the road. Make sure you check Phil Steele out at uh, at ESPN, the sports centers, ESPN.com as well with his insiders in both the, the college football and the NFL as well. Phil, the hour just flies by, but great stuff, man. We covered a lot of territory today. Uh, have a good weekend. Hope you stay on the right side of things, and uh, we'll look for you next week here on Strong as Steel. Yeah, like Michael said, check out the sports centers on Thursday. And also check out the uh, the website insidethepressbox.com for my uh, weekly newsletter. And don't forget to check out philsteel.com on Friday for that Phil Steel Plus game of the week. Great talking to you again, Michael. Have a great weekend, my friend. Absolutely, Phil. You too. That's going to do it for us as uh, as Phil Steele bids adieu. But he, he's going to keep working, so make sure you uh, check him out at ESPN.com and the Insider, as uh, we just said. Sports Center. He'll be on Sports Center uh, beginning early tomorrow morning on Thursday for his weekly appearances. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, always first rate, keeps us in line. I'm Michael Regai. You guys are terrific, as always. Make sure that you join us each and every week. We're on at noon Eastern. That's noon Eastern here on Blog Talk Radio. You see how we roll. Your input is uh, very desired by by Phil and Jimmy and I. So make sure that you stay attached with us and always iTunes as well, okay? You can always get any episode you want, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, everything there for you. Going to do it for us. Have yourselves a fantastic week six of this, uh, this FBS weekend. A lot of intriguing matchups as we've gone through. So for Phil Steele, Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Ruggai. We'll see you next week right here on another edition of Strong as Steel. Till then, so long, everybody.